Uh, Pastor Mark, he's been in this series in the book of Matthew, and he's gone through, I think, like 15 or 16 chapters, and it's taken him better than a year. So today, I thought I'd try to show him up a little bit. How does that sound? And so I thought I'd take us through the book of Joshua in 30 minutes. <laughs> sound good? So we're going to fly fast, put on your seatbelts, it's quick, but we'll hang in a few spots, and we'll fly through a few others. And, uh, and I thought also we'd get started with a little friendly competition this morning. Uh, we're one church, and we meet in multiple locations. We've got these campuses and other places, and I just found out that there's a beautiful man club. They're voting for the next president of the beautiful man club, and yours truly is up for it, and so is the campus pastor in Appleton, Ross, and Pastor Chad in Point. They're also up, and so I'm going to ask you guys, at some point, would you take a headshot, take your phone out, and give me a headshot of yourself at your campus, and then we're all going to have a chance to vote on it later after I see the pictures, so I'll be waiting on the pictures, and we'll just pause, and we'll have a chance to vote and see who the next president of the beautiful man club is, so, but we'll get into uh, John. Joshua here, fly through it in 30 minutes. Uh, the first time we see Joshua come on the scene is in the book of Exodus, and he's alongside of Moses. And you might be familiar with this story. It's the exodus of the Israelites out of Egypt. And they get up to the Red Sea, and they need to cross over the Red Sea, or they're going to be crushed in battle. So God performs this amazing miracle in their lives, and God parts the Red Sea. You've seen the movie, maybe, I don't, was it Charlton Heston or one of those guys? He parts the Red Sea, and the Israelites, they cross over. So they cross over to the other side and they see this amazing thing happen in their lives, this amazing miracle. God does this amazing thing and he breaks them through and they're seeing all this stuff happen. And as soon as they get to the other side, they're up against another fight. And it's the way that life is sometimes for us, that God will break you through a certain area. He calls you to do something. You get through to the other side. You get the miracle. You get the breakthrough in your finances. You get that job you've been praying for. And as soon as you get to the other side, there's another battle waiting. And that's where we see Joshua make the book of the Bible. So Joshua gets in, and uh, in Exodus chapter 17, verse uh, 8, and it says this, The Amalekites came and they attacked the Israelites. And Moses said to Joshua, choose some men and go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I'll stand on the top of the hill and I'll have my staff up towards God. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. So we see here for the first time that Joshua says yes to the call of God that's been put on his life. And he goes to fight. And it says as long as Moses held up his hands... They were winning, but whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. But two guys, they went up on the mountain with Moses, Aaron and Hur. And it says when Moses grew tired, that they went and they got a stone and they put it underneath Moses and he was able to sit on it and he was able to relax. And it says that the two guys, Aaron and Hur, they picked up his arms and they held him up so he was able to continue doing what God had called him to do. And in the battle, in the fight, when you're trusting God, there's going to be moments in your life where you're going to need other people to come alongside you and to pick you up when you're down. That you don't have the strength to go on. You feel like you can't keep on doing it. The first lesson we see here in the life of Joshua is you're going to need other people in your life. Maybe you're here today and you don't have anyone that you're doing life with in the church. Let me encourage you, build some relationships with other people that will help you grow in your faith and encourage you when you're down. You're going to need other people to pick you up. 
So in verse 13, it says that Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. And then the Lord said to Moses, write this down and make sure Joshua remembers it. So we're told here that the counterattack is successful. And then the next time we see him is a few chapters later. It's in uh, chapter 20. And you might be familiar with this story. Moses, he's up on the mountain and he's pounding out some tablets. Charles and Hessner, whatever, you might see the picture in your head. He's working on the Ten Commandments. And then uh, the Israelites, what are they doing? They're down at the bottom of the mountain and they're chipping in all their gold and they're putting it in a pot and they're getting ready to melt it down and they're getting ready to create an idol in the shape of a cow. Now, being from Wisconsin, I don't know where you're joining us online here this morning, but we're preaching here this morning from Wisconsin and we know you just don't worship cows. They're pretty gross, right? They're stinky. They're nasty. Now... I have come across a couple stakes in my day I would consider bowing down to and giving praise to the Lord, but I'd never worship a cow. But these guys are worshiping cows. Now, Joseph, he's not with the rest of the Israelites. He's on the side of the mountain, and Moses is up there. Moses comes down, and Joshua, he's kind of a rat, you know, but he's on the side of the mountain. He says, hey, uh, Moses, something bad's going on. These guys are melting down gold and getting ready to worship a cow. So for the second time, we see that Joshua says yes to God. And that brings us up to Joshua chapter 1. And God calls Joshua after Moses dies. And it says this, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, My ser- servant Moses is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready. The message from God to his people is always that. Get ready. God wants to do amazing things in your life. And he's saying, get ready. So what do we need to do to get ready? Well, God tells Joshua just what to do in the very next section. And he says this, Be strong, and very courageous. Now, why would you need to be strong and very courageous? The reason why is because there's going to be another battle to fight. Just like we heard when they cross the Red Sea and then they get across, God does this amazing thing. They get the breakthrough. The battle is on again and there's going to be another fight to fight in your life. So you're going to need to be strong and very courageous. And it says, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Don't turn from it. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. Be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. God wants you to be prosperous and successful in your life. He says, have I not commanded you? He says it again. Be strong and courageous. And then he says this, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. There's going to be moments in your life where you've got a choice to make. Am I going to say yes to God or am I going to say no to God? I don't know what battle it is you find yourself in today, what you're up against, but there's a lot of people here today that have that very decision to make. Are you going to say no to God or are you going to say yes to God? Are you going to turn your back and run or are you going to respond the way God's called us? And so God says, don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. Fear will come in and try to rob you of faith in your life. And when fear creeps in, you're not able to operate in faith. And God is saying, don't let that happen. Stay strong. Don't be afraid. Go through the camp, he says, and tell the people to get ready. And they responded, we will go wherever you send us. And we will do whatever you've commanded us to do. And that brings us up to chapter 2 with Rahab and the spies. Uh Uh-oh, I just got a text message. All right, game on. Beautiful man club. Here we go. All right. Here's 
Here's our beautiful campus pastor from Stevens Point, everybody. All right. Beautiful man club voting. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, and there's Ross. I didn't warn him, so he didn't get a chance to look beautiful. So, all right, we're going to vote now. Let's go with this one. Oh, he looks bad in that one. Let's do that. If you think Ross should be the next president of the Beautiful Man Club, put your hands together right now. No, no. Don't do it. If you think Chad should be the next president of the Beautiful Man Club, put your hands together. If you think I should be the next president, put your hands together. Pastor Mark is watching this from South Africa. He'll have a chance to cast his vote online. You can do that by going, those of you joining us, just type in your votes. You can also participate in this. And I know in Point, Chad probably won, and in Appleton, Ross won, and that's all right. All right, chapter two, Rahab. Be strong and very courageous, God tells him. Now Rahab comes on the scene. Joshua secretly sends off two spies to go look over the land, especially Jericho. This is the city with the big walls that are going to come crumbling down. So they went in ahead to the house of the prostitute named Rahab, and they stayed there. Now, if you ever have an opportunity to be a spy, let me suggest maybe not staying in the house of a prostitute. This looks bad to say the least, right? But it's amazing, if you go on and look in the book of Matthew in chapter 1, guess who's in Jesus' family tree? Rahab. Rahab the prostitute makes the family tree. Pretty amazing. God uses this woman, who I don't know, maybe she's 20, 30, 40 years of age, but she's gone a significant amount of time, decades I might say, of saying no to God. She came from a family that didn't trust God. She likely has had some very hard times in her life, lived a very rough life, but she's heard about the things of God, and maybe you're here today, and you've heard about the great things of God, and you're joining us today at Celebration Church. God is giving you a moment right now for you to make a decision to say yes or no to God. And look at what Rahab does. The king of Jericho heard that some Israelites have come to spy out the land, so she sent a message to Rahab and said, bring these guys out who came to you and entered your house, because they've come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hid them. And she said, yes, the men came to me, but I have no idea where they went at dusk when it was time to close the city gate. These guys were gone, but you guys should take off quickly. You might catch them. And she lies to these guys. God uses a lying prostitute and ends up being in the family tree that we're a part of. Jesus, the Messiah, amazing stuff. The very next chapter, in three, the rest of the Israelites are on their way over to take on uh, Jericho. So they have to cross over the Jordan River. And it says this, early in the morning, Joshua sent the Israelites out. They camped before crossing over, and Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves. Another word would be dedicate or devote yourselves to God. You might think this sounds a little bit like Jesus' words, where he said, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and then all of these things would be added unto you. God wants to do amazing things in your life, and it says, consecrate yourself, devote yourselves to God, for tomorrow he wants to do amazing things among you. Today, you might be in the battle. Tomorrow, God wants to do amazing things in your life. Are you going to dedicate and devote yourselves to God? Are you going to say yes, or are you going to say no? And it says that they went on to pass over the Jordan River. 
God does another miracle. He parts the waters of the Jordan River, and they cross over to the other side. And then in verse uh, chapter 4, it says, When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose 12 guys. Tell them to go get some stones. Tell them to bring these stones back to the camp and set them up. And when you set them up, he said, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground, and he did it so all the people of the earth will know that he was powerful and that you might always fear the Lord your God. Get some stones in your life. It takes strength. It takes courage. It takes doing the things that God commanded us, and it takes trusting in God. It takes not being afraid and operating in faith. And you gather these moments in your life that you can look back on a few years from now, and you can say, did I make decisions where I was saying yes to God and saw his hand moving in my life, or did I say no? Did I say no to God, and I've seen the result of the destruction that happens? In Joshua chapter 5, we see that God raises up a new generation, and he raises up new sons and daughters. It says this in 5 verse 7, it says, he raised up sons in their place. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Remember the Israelites, they wandered around the desert for 40 years because of continuing to say no to God. And God says, you know what? I've rolled away the approach. And, they, and in this moment, they celebrate the Passover meal. They celebrate the Passover, and it's, it's a reminder to us that Jesus is our Passover lamb. And that we've got reproach. We've got sin in our lives. Every single one of us have said no to God at moments in our lives or maybe for a long time. And Jesus has come so that the reproach can be rolled away in your life so that you can be made right with God today. So they celebrate the Passover and the next thing we see is that God does the same thing and he rolls away the reproach in chapter 6. And God spares Rahab, the prostitute, and we see the fall of Jericho. In in verse 17 of chapter 6 it says, "...the city and all that are in it are to be devoted to the Lord." Only Rahab the prostitute and all that are in her house are to be spared because she hid the spies that we sent. Just a few chapters ago, Rahab, she cuts a deal with the spies and she says, we've heard of all the things God has done. Would you spare my life and would you spare my family's life? And they say, all right, well, here's the deal. You got to tie a scarlet cord on your window because when we come in, we're kicking butt and we're taking names. And if we see that, we'll know don't go in there and destroy those people. So she does it. And they said, but if you rat us out, the deal's off. So God calls on her to respond and say yes. And she did. And then she ends up being written about in the book of James. And James says this in chapter 1, verse 25, in the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So we see here faith and action working together. That you're saved by grace, but it's a faith that works, and we are called to say yes to God with what he's called us to do in our life. But he said this, Stay away from the devoted things, in verse 18, so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking them. Otherwise, the whole camp is going to be liable to this destruction. And in chapter 7, we see, But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. One guy, Achan, takes the devoted things and he hides them in his tent. 
And watch what happens to Israel because of someone saying no. Joshua sent some guys from Jericho up to Ai. They were going to fight their next battle. He says, go up and spy out the region. When the spies returned, they said, man, there's only a few guys in AI. We can take these guys, no problem. Why don't you just send like two or 3,000 guys, Joshua? No need to tire out the whole army. So Joshua agrees. And he sends out a few thousand guys. And it says in the Bible that 36 of them were killed. And AI chases them off. And they go running down the hill back to the camp. They're in fear. They're freaked out. And their hearts melted and became like water. And they're gripped now by fear. Remember God's words? Don't be afraid. Joshua even gets down on his knees. And he's freaking out. He's in fear. He's wondering if he can go on. And God yells at him and says, get up, Joshua. And tells him that someone in the camp has said no to me. So they go and they figure out who it was. They interrogate the entire camp and they figure out that it was Achan. And they bring him up and watch what happens to Achan in verse 25. Joshua said, why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord is going to bring trouble on you today. And then it's about to go Old Testament for Achan. Bad things happen in the Old Testament to people. It says that all of Israel has stoned him. And then after they stoned the rest, they, they stoned the rest of the family and the donkeys and the whole deal. They stone everybody, and they burned them, and then they heap a large pile of rocks over Achan, which remains to this day. Now, I don't think anyone here is at uh, the hand of about to be stoned, but what the Bible does say over and over again is that sin leads to death. The end game of sin is that Satan wants to destroy you. He doesn't want you saying yes to God. And what Satan wants to do is he wants to bait the hook. He wants to set something on the bait or on the hook. He wants to bait it and he wants to grab you and he wants to pull you in by the cheek and get you a hold of it so that you're saying no to God. And that sin, the Bible says, leads to death. And we've seen the results of sin in our world. We've seen the results of saying no to God in our lives. We see the devastation it leads and it looks like a big pile of rocks saying no to God. Are you going to have a life filled with a big pile of rocks? Or are you going to start making decisions to say yes to God and build up monuments of stone where you can look back and say, we said yes to God and he moved in our life. So we see that the hand of grace gets removed from Israel. And in chapter 8, God's hand is back on them. And they defeat Ai. And the only survivor is the king. And they bring him to Joshua. Joshua goes Old Testament on, on the king of Ai. It says he impales him with a spear puts him up at the city gate, and he leaves them there till sunset. And what do they do? They pile a big mound of rocks over the king of Ai. He said no to God, and sin will lead to death. In chapter 9, we see the Gibeon deception. These Gibeons, uh, they were not friends. They were foes of the Israelites, but they knew that God was moving, and they didn't want to get in the way. So they deceived Joshua. They come in and act like they're a bunch of weary travelers with moldy, crusty bread and no water, and they come in, and they ask Joshua to cut a deal with them. Joshua doesn't consult God. In essence, he makes a mistake. He makes a mistake here, and what happens is that their back is now up against the wall, and they need a miracle in their life. Has anyone here ever made a mistake and you need a miracle in your life? This is the moment that they're at right now today. In Joshua chapter 10, we see that the sun stands still. Awesome story. On that day, when their back was up against the wall, when they had this big battle to fight, there was more people that they had to overcome. There wasn't enough daylight to accomplish it. And Joshua prays this bold, 
out there, wild prayer to God that he needed him to move in his life. And he prays it in front of everybody. He's bold. And he says this, Son, stand still over Gibeon, and you moon over the valley of Ihalan. And so the Bible says that the sun stood still, and the moon, it stopped. And the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. And there's never been a day like it or a day since. This was a day that God listened to a human being. God listens to human beings, and he wants us to engage him in prayer. I don't know what your sun stands still prayer is today for you. Maybe you're facing sickness. Maybe you're facing something in your family. Maybe you're trusting that someone would come to know Jesus. Maybe your back is up against the wall. Maybe you've made a wrong choice and now you've, you find yourself in the battle. Wherever you're at today, what's your sun stand still prayer? Get bold with your prayers and that's what part of faith is. is. It's calling out to the person of God, Jesus Christ, and saying, please help me out in the middle of what's going on and not relying on your own strength. In chapter 11, 12, and 13, we see this list of all these kings and armies that were defeated. It's a long list of trials, and a long list of victories, and a long list of those that said no, and a long list of those that said yes. And we see those that said yes were ending ending in prosperity and success, and those that said no were ending in death. In Joshua chapter 13, there's land still to be taken. In 14, we see this guy named Caleb. It's a cool story about an old guy. Caleb's story story starts when he's 40 years of age, and it's actually in Exodus. He's with Moses, and Moses sends Caleb out on a mission and says, go do this. God calls Caleb and says, go out. I've called you, and take these guys with you. And a bunch of other people were unfaithful to what they were called to do. But Caleb was faithful, and the Bible says that he was blessed because of it, and he received a promise. Now watch what happens. It says, now then, just as the Lord had promised, he kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said to Moses when Israel was wandering about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 45 years later. This guy is 85 years of age, and God comes in with the promise. It can take some time. During that moment of waiting, are you going to say yes or are you going to say no to God? Are you going to be like Caleb and say yes or will you run the other direction when you face the battle? And it would be easier to say, you know what, I'm not going to trust God. I'm not going to do what he's called me to do. I'm not going to live according to the scriptures. It's a choice we need to make in our lives. Are we going to say yes to God? So Caleb says yes, and he's got a tank full of gas, and I think there's some 85-year-olds, some 75-year-olds, some 65-year-olds here at Celebration Church that got a tank full of gas like Caleb, and he says this, I am just as strong as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out into battle as I was then. Now give me that hill country that the Lord promised me on that day. In chapter 15, we see a generational faith begin to be played out. Men and women that said yes over a long period of time and now their kids and their kids' kids get to see the inheritance and generational faith being played out. We see Caleb's daughter approaches him in chapter 15, verse 18 and she urged her father for a field and she got off her donkey and Caleb says, well, what can I do for you? She replied, Daddy, can you do me a special favor? Since you've given me the land and the upper Negev, wouldn't you also give me some springs of water? And now I've got a daughter, and they've got like this magical power over dads to ask for things. And I've succumbed to this very same thing that Caleb's had. And watch how Caleb responds. I've done this a million times. He says, 
girl, I'm going to give you the upper and the lower springs. He gives it to it all. He gives her all of it. He's a good dad. Chapter 16, Joshua passes on an inheritance to his kids. 17, it's now going on to his grandkids. And he needs to encourage them in their faith. And he says this. The people of Joseph replied, the hill country, man, this isn't enough for us. We need more land. There's too many of us. But the Canaanites, you said we could have the plains, but the Canaanites are there and they have chariots and they're fitted with iron. They're going to kill us. We can't do it. They've got a battle to fight. And Joshua says, you are numerous and very powerful. You're not going to have only the one allotment, but the forested hill country as well. Now clear it, and its furthest limits will be yours. Though the Canaanites have chariots fitted with iron, and though they are strong, you can still drive them out. Joshua's getting up there in age, right? And he's seen some victories in his life. He's gathered the stones. He's got the memories of all the faithfulness of God. And now he's passing that on to his kids and to his kids' kids saying, you guys, you can do it. And we need men and women in our life, here at our church, that can encourage younger men and women in their faith to say, you can do it. God is faithful. Say yes to God. In chapter 18, Joshua continues to lead and to instruct in chapter 19, more tribes getting their inheritance. In 20 and 21, Joshua begins to set up order in the camp. And then we see in 22 that Joshua blesses some with wealth because of their great faithfulness to God. And these men and women, they go off and they build an altar. And a bunch of Israelites are worried, uh-oh, these guys look like they're setting up to worship a false god. And they challenge them on it. So we see challenge happening within the Christian community, that they're challenging each other. And in 23, it brings us to the end. And Joshua gives his farewell to his leaders. And he says this, After a long time had passed, and the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them, Joshua by now was a very old man. And he summoned all of Israel, all the elders and leaders and all these guys. He brings them and says, hey, I'm very old. You yourselves have seen everything the Lord God has done. And all, all of this, uh, with all these nations for your sake, it was the Lord your God who fought for you. And then he says this, the very same words that we started the book of Joshua off with. The encouragement from God to Joshua is now the encouragement from Joshua to the people, and it's the encouragement that we're getting today. And he says this, be strong. You're gonna need to be strong in life. Be careful to obey all that's written in the word of God. Without turning to the right or to the left, don't associate with these nations that remain among you. By now, they're living amongst other people that aren't worshiping God. And he says, hey, young people, don't build relationships. Don't get married. Don't start dating somebody that is not a Christian. Do life with someone that is saying yes to God. If you start doing life with someone that says no to God, you're heading down a path of destruction. Start saying yes to God. And what does that look like for you? Say yes to God. He says, don't invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. Don't have any other gods before you. Stop worshiping these created things, the other things that come into our life, and we start worshiping them above the creator God, money and power and all these other things that we place in front of God. Every time we say no, in essence, we're worshiping other things. He says, but hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. And then in 24... Joshua gives his final challenge, and we see he passes away. He says this, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, if you're at that moment where you say, You know what? This 
challenge, this battle, this fight is now in my life. And I want to turn my back on God. Enough of this. I'm not going to trust him anymore. I don't know if he's good anymore. I don't know what your battle is today. But they were facing stuff. And Joshua said, hey, if it seems undesirable, then choose for yourselves whom this day you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Joshua declares that him and his house are going to serve the Lord and challenges the people to do the same. And they respond and say, no, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said, you're witnesses against yourselves that you've chosen to serve the Lord. And they say, yes, we are witnesses. Now then, said Joshua, throw away all the foreign gods that are among you. Let go of all those other things. The Bible uses words like those that lose their life will find it. It starts with losing your life and letting go and seeking first the kingdom of God. He says, throw away all this stuff and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and obey him. And on that day, it says Joshua made a covenant for the people and he records these things in the book of the law of God. And then he took a large stone and set it there under an oak near the place of the Lord. Joshua gets his final stone in his life. Men and women that are responding and saying yes to God. And after all these things, it says, Joshua, son of Nun, servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. This morning, I want to challenge every person at every campus, those joining us online, those listening to this message, choose this day whom you will serve. Throw out all the other gods in your life. Be strong and courageous. Let's pray. Father God, I pray for everyone that's here today at all of our campuses, those joining us online, those listening today. God, I pray that we would be strong and courageous, that we would seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. Father, that we would do life right, that we would respond to you by saying yes instead of no, that we would see great miracles happen in this church. God, that we would see people come to know you and yield their hearts to you by saying yes, that we would see miracles in marriages and finances and in our lives. God, we need you. I pray that we would be bold and pray some of those sun stand still prayers in our life, that we would lean on you, God. We need you in our life. I pray that we would see future generations that would serve you faithfully. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.